This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you by the Pocket Testament League. Visit ptl.org for practical resources and encouragement to help you share your faith. ptl.org. Hey, welcome to I Work For Him as we broadcast you this afternoon out of Tampa Bay and Jacksonville, the first coast and all over the Hampton Roads area of Virginia. But however you're listening to us today, because maybe you'll listen to us on the podcast, just know we've prayed for you that something we say today will cause you to dig deeper in connecting your faith to the conversation we're going to have today about generosity. Before we get into our conversation, we want to talk to you about how you could connect with us online. Well, Jim, you know, we are um, posting every day on Facebook the information about what show is coming up goes out on every Sunday night. So this is something that people could be aware of is to look on um, our post from Sunday night and find out what is going to be on the docket for the week. And um, that is a great way to stay connected and to find out Um, if any of your favorite past guests are coming back or what conversation we're having so that they can make sure that they tune in. And we have an anniversary today. Yes, we do. Today's the six-year anniversary of the day that we first found out the radio was what the Lord wanted us to do. February 19th, 2013, when Deborah Ray Roseman, a tribute out to her, said, Jim, you need to talk about that on the radio. Six years later, thank you, Deborah Ray Roseman, for investing in our lives and getting us started on radio. A little under six years ago, but we started, we found out about it today. And we've been broadcasting on the first coast for one year today. So we've been in the Jacksonville area and we just love our listeners there in the way that they just take the initiative to interact with us. It's kind of fun because we know that we're at the end of their work day. And so we get a lot of people saying, listening to you on the way home, it's a great way to end my day every day. So thank you, First Coast, for Hanging in there this last even, year and growing. Even got a text message last night at 9.30. Somebody mm-hmm. saying they really appreciate what's going on there. Love to hear from all of you, our listeners. Go out to iworkforhim.com. That's iwork, the number four, him.com, in order to contact us and interact with us. Love to hear from you. All right, generosity. It should shape the life of anyone who calls themselves a Jesus follower. That's not my opinion. It's scriptural. What does that look like as it's walked out day to day? How does it shape your personality, affect your family, impact your community? Well, Brad Formsma, he led his family through a journey of living generosity out every day. Drew, his son, caught on and has taken it to whole new levels. They call it everyday generosity. And you can find it on a website by the same name, everydaygenerosity.com. They both join us today from California, where it's still early in the morning, to hear they're going to share a little bit of their story and stories of generosity they've seen all over the country. Drew and Brad Formsma, welcome to I Work For Him. Great to be here. Yeah, All thanks right, so, for having us on. Hey, Drew, let's just start with you. As you are still, are you in college now, or are you in high? You're finishing up high school this year. Yes, I'm in high school. I'm a, a junior in high school, and I go to school in Orange County. So, all right, Orange County, California. You're still a junior in high school. Fantastic. That's really important for people to note. Tell us, Drew, how did you become a follower of Jesus? Uh, at eight years old. Um, I, I committed myself to Christ and decided that this is something that I wanted to take up uh, on my life and that it's, it's something that I get to work towards a relationship with Him every day. And it's similar to giving. It's something we get to step into and uh, be in a relationship with God and make it something that we get to do. Hmm. I love that. Brad, what about you? How did you become a Jesus follower? Well, I always say I was one of the greatest make-believers growing up in a Christian home until age 28 when our first son was born. And uh, I had a pastor speak into my life in a way that I never 
heard before and it just it just made me realize that uh I was lost and I was a sinner and uh Jesus gave it all, paid his life uh for mine. And so it was in that moment I said, Lord have your way with me and we were on a fast track to uh walking daily together and and now into the work we do today. That's so excellent. I think it's so interesting how um, becoming a parent can be very pivotal in our look, assessing our lives and saying, you know, there's, is there something more? Is it, you know, what is it that I'm created to be? This is awesome responsibility. All of those things that make us um, very good uh, grounds for God to work on in our hearts. So what a great and timing to have a pastor speak into you at that age. So Brad, we're talking about generosity today. The book that you you and Drew wrote together, Everyday Generosity. Mm-hmm. Brad, we're, how did God blossom generosity in your life? Well, it really started for me. I'm 11 years old, and my grandpa modeled what I call the generous life. Seven ways to the generous life, and it started with him. He's a big commercial baker, and yet he had a small test kitchen next to his office. And every Saturday morning, he'd make 16 loaves of bread. And one particular Saturday morning, he had me come with him. When we did that, uh, the loaves of bread cooled off. I thought it was going to be about me, bread, and, you know, a Saturday morning of uh, fun. And, uh, no, they went into his trunk. And I tagged along with him. And the first stop was to a widow with a few loaves of bread. And he was generous with his words and to her and very affirming and, the second stop was a few more loaves of bread and a white envelope. And he explained that he was being generous with his money, that that person had a financial need. And the third stop was yet again, a few more loaves of bread and him helping connect someone. He was really being generous with his influence. And so he began to model other ways in addition to that, being generous with his time and his thoughts and the way that he shares his stuff. And so you never got he DNA really, that bread, did you? We we never got any bread that day, but I promise you, I've had plenty since. In the weeks <laughs> after, that was just a special day of modeling the generous life, and there was not as much receiving that day. <laughs> oh. mm. but what an impact it made mm. on you for you to remember as an eleven-year-old. Um, the values that you started to learn that day. And he was probably already modeling, but you got to be in a front row seat on that particular day. Is that correct? Absolutely. I mean, literally in the front seat. But, you know, we this latest project, Everyday Generosity, really is born out of parents saying to us after we speak at large churches across the country, like, help us in this area and Drew has a great anacronym, um, me. Drew, why don't you explain that? Sure, yes. I have this acronym that I came up with that I really was hoping to um, really help parents start. How do I bring this into with my kids? How do I show them this, the generous life? So I came up with this acronym, me. Model, encourage, engage. And so when I looked into it more, is I realized my parents, all they were doing is modeling the generous life. They weren't talking about it. They were doing it themselves. And so I just challenge parents, step into it, um, step into it in your daily life, and your kids will start to see it. The next is encourage. I would say just encourage your kids on this journey. 
but don't force it. It gets really gross. Trust me. You don't want to go there. Just encourage them on their journey and show them different places where they could step in to give. And then the last is engage. I just share the stories around the dinner table at night. Talk about it because generosity is just never talked about. Because I've realized that when generosity is talked about, generosity inspires generosity. So when we get to talk about this, it's truly powerful. And I have kids come up to me at school and they say, Drew, I, I don't even know what giving means. So a lot of my generation, there's a disconnect when they hear generosity or they just believe it's just about writing the big check. Uh, but Drew, you're a teenager. You know, when, when, and you've watched your, your mom and dad you know, demonstrate generosity all of your life, but you're a teenager. And most teenagers aren't real, you know, it's not like they're always going to go, hey, whatever mom and dad does, that's what I'm going to do. Usually mm-hmm. it's the uh, whatever mom and dad does, I'm going to go the other direction at 100 miles an hour. How did you How did you decide that this was something that I believe generosity really should fuel my life? Well, at first, I would tell you, I was very like, what's going on here? I was seeing them doing things to random people. I'd go, why are they giving to a random person they don't know? Um, why, why are they so happy? So there was some, like, skeptical approach to this at first. I was, like, wondering what was happening. And I started to catch on. I started to see the fruit that happened when they gave. Uh, I started to see that they gave with uh, a good intention to help someone else. And there was a lot of benefits that came back. And I talk about that in my book as well, that the benefits when we have the right intention when we give uh, is so important. And I started to see what happened when they gave and I was like I want some of that too so that really that's how it started for me I I saw I saw what I liked and I I I adapted it you know Brad let's let's just start go to a basis back of the conversation your grandfather was just incredibly influential in your life and teaching you generosity but it's just about giving money right isn't that what generosity is (laughs) well no in fact I often say to people, what do you think about when you think about generosity? And yet most will come to the word money. And yet when we read in Scripture where Paul's saying, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, or we read these passages about spurring each other on towards love and good deeds, I think it's pretty clear that it's not money every day, every hour, every week, every month. That's a part. And yet, um, when I find people becoming, and myself, becoming more generous in these other areas of our lives, as we interact with other people in our daily, weekly, monthly rhythms of connection, I become more generous with money. But I think it's a more whole life approach. So you're talking about these other ways to be generous. How many different, way, different ways are there to be generous? Oh, Martha, we talk about seven ways to the generous life. Now, of course, you could probably come up with many other, but what we've found is when you take these seven ways and make the decision that you want to live generously, they change, they change your world. So number one, being generous with our words. Number two, being generous with our thoughts towards ourselves and others. Number three, being generous with our money. Number four, being generous in the way we share our stuff. Generous with our time. Generous with our influence. 
And then the one that I'm working on more than ever before, generous with my attention. Mm. We live in this world where we have this five or six ounce device, depending on what model you have, that's (laughs) technology, glass, and plastic. And it's like, it's the anti-attention generosity thing in our world. And it's helpful, it's a tool, but I mean, have we not seen it? You're sitting at a restaurant and everybody's on their phone or you're having a conversation with someone and it beeps, buzzes, or vibrates. And I just think that one of the most powerful ways to be generous is to be fully present with your attention. You know what I love about the book that you guys put together, Drew and Brad Formsma, from EverydayGenerosity.com, EverydayGenerosity.com. What I love about your book is it's full of stories, and that's what makes a book awesome. Because some people read, and they can just read, um, you know, like, here's instructions how to do something, and they get it. But a lot of people, when they read instructions or details, they really get solidified, or as I like to use the word, cemented in my mind mm-hmm. when I've got stories to put alongside of them. That's why pastors use sermon illustrations. You guys use generosity demonstrations throughout the book, and you talk about them, and it's powerful. So I want to go through those seven different categories, and I've got them in a different order, but I grabbed them right out of the book. But thoughts, words, money, time, influence, attention, and possessions. I want to go through those and have you guys tell some stories that go alongside of that. Would that be okay? Oh, absolutely. Okay, Drew can tell stories all day long. Oh, Drew, <laughs> Drew can. Sounds like some fun. <laughs> I, I've heard the both of you speak. You're both pretty good at sharing stories. Okay, so thoughts. Brad, can you share a story of putting thought generosity into action? Well, I was at an airport. I travel a lot speaking at leading companies on cult, the culture of generosity. And as I mentioned, at large churches in America. So that puts you in airport bathrooms. And any of you that have done that know uh, a clean airport bathroom is a bonus. And so one day I was leaving this restroom and it was so clean. It's the airport in South Florida, your state. And I I just thought, oh, man, you know, that guy's just in there cleaning the bathroom, you know, and I'm glad I don't have that job. Something that probably wasn't the best thought. And then I thought, what if I go introduce myself to him and just thank him? And so this is probably a story of combined thoughts and words, but I said to him, sir, I just want to thank you for making the airport bathroom so nice and clean. I travel a lot. It's a bonus when you find a clean one. And he reached out his big hand and buried it behind He said, I'm Conrad. I said, I'm Brad. And I said, I just really appreciate you making that bathroom nice. And as he reached over with his hand, I noticed the patch on his shirt was blank. And I said, Conrad, if you worked for me, your name would be on your shirt. I think you're a good man. You matter. And I could see a tear well up in the corner of his eye and the smile broke across his face. And I like floated away from him. And I got caught up with my wife and she's like, what? What's going on? You're glowing. I said, well, I just went to the bathroom. No, what I really said was, honey, I just met Conrad. And she, oh, you know, who's Conrad? And I said, you know, we just had this powerful exchange. You know, that truth when Jesus says it's more blessed to give than receive. And that I'm experiencing that right now. I thought I was doing the giving by thinking highly of him and being generous with my words. And instead, 
I'm, I'm overflowing with this joy. So I think that would be one example of just a daily encounter with another person and, and thinking um, more of them than ourselves. For sure. And you know, one of the things I just want to point out is, Brad, how many minutes do you think that exchange took? Martha, I'm so glad you mentioned that. I mean, we're in two and a half minute time range. And sometimes it's even less than that. But you know, it's interesting. I always bump into people leaving the airport bathrooms who are cleaning it. And I just make a point to say hi, thank you. And you know what, I read a report recently that said, they, they actually interviewed people who clean airport bathrooms. And you know what's the number one thing they want? They want eye contact. Mm. They don't want to feel like they're just, you know, because they're constantly in there cleaning because there's so much volume. And I just thought, for anybody listening, you're, you're, you're wondering, well, how can I do this? How can I put this into practice? We always say, get that antenna working. These opportunities are all around us for us to engage and be a light in the world. Drew, what about you? You got a story on thoughts or words uh, of how you've demonstrated generosity? Yes, I do. Uh, I think I can bring it right in my family. Um, it, it really, I think being generous inside of our families is a huge part of what our family looks like. And I don't always get this right. I do tease my sister and I do, um, make my brother mad oftentimes. But when I, start, when I started to realize that I can be generous with my words with them, I, I started to think about how I could treat my sister, who's 12, a little bit differently. And oftentimes, I, I was like, well, how could I use my words to impact her um, and leave a good mark on her and help her grow up um, a great kid? And it, it, it really started with every night I tuck my sister in and uh, just talk to her and be there for her and care about her. And I started to realize that that really impacted her so much. And she tells me today, like, it, it, it's the best part of her day oftentimes because some things don't go right and she just needs to talk through things. And as a brother, I think that's the role I get to take. And I realized that is such a huge part of being generous because inside of our families, that's where it needs to start. And that's why, that's why the tagline of the book is becoming a generous family in a selfie world because it starts in our families. And that, that's where that story started for me. Well, and it's really true, Drew, what you just said, because if you can't live it at home, is it really living in you? Because a lot of us mm. are really good at doing stuff out in the, out in the street. We can do quote unquote ministry almost anywhere. When we come home, we're just not the same person. We don't treat our brothers and sisters or moms and dads the same way. Uh, so it's very true. It needs to start at home. That makes it real. Exactly. So, Brad, how's Drew doing being generous at home? I mean, you're the dad, and we're live on the radio. So, <laughs> you know, Drew just said he, he's loving on his sister. I mean, he's, is he really living this out? Well, he he really is. And I'm sitting here under conviction because I dropped my wife off with my daughter at the airport at 530 this morning, which meant we woke up at 430. And I'm wondering if I was as generous as I could have been. <laughs> with. So the worst thing that would happen is for people to think we have our act together every day, every moment, every hour. But I think what we've realized is by making a decision as a family to want to live and lead this way. We also catch ourselves because you can be generous in the way that you ask for forgiveness and forgive. 
So, you know, there's, there's a whole element of going at our dinner table three times a week. We aim for four, but we try to get around the table and, and we'll say, you know, the other day I really missed on that with you. And, you know, I'm sorry about that. And I think that helps us reset. It's, uh, and if you could do the dinner table, what you just said, which we have more time in this segment, but the dinner table, the most powerful tool in raising children, the dinner table with the TV off. You're listening to I Work Room as we're talking about generosity, everyday generosity. You can check it out online, everydaygenerosity.com. It's a book written by Drew and Brad Formsma. I love it. Martha and I get to hear these guys speak back in California in late October early October or sometime last fall was beautiful. That's all I remember. <laughs> it was the fall. <laughs> but, but these guys shared stories. And I know that this is, this is from what I have seen as a Jesus follower for almost 40 years is that generosity should flow naturally out of the heart of everybody who says they're Jesus follower. Yet it's something, if we haven't seen it modeled, we don't know what it looks like. Well, Drew and Brad have written this book, Everyday Generosity. And they talk about the seven ways that they have seen that, they're able to demonstrate that generosity. But Martha, you had a question for Drew before we get, keep going on. Well, I did. So first, I just want our listeners that might be just tuning in to realize that this is a father and son team. And so one of the things that I love is the fact that you talked about what's happening in your own home. And um, you're you're speaking to families. You're trying to help set them up for a culture of generosity within their home. And my question is, Drew, what do you guys do in your home when somebody's leaning towards the stingy side and not the generous side, what happens in your home to kind of get y'all back on track? It simply starts that when we're around the, the, the dinner table, I, my dad and often my mom address this. Uh, if there's something going on between me or my dad or my parents, uh, my dad usually leads it by just uh, putting it out there and asking for forgiveness from either my mom or if it's um, one of my siblings and just bringing it out onto the table because when we just start stuffing stuff and keeping it all in and uh, just being upset with the other person, that doesn't work. And like my dad was saying earlier, generosity, I, when we start to be generous with our words and especially with our own families, that's when we start to see families that stick together. I think families that give together, stay together. So. Those are good words. That's a good word. Families that give together, stay together. Do you have any plaques with that on it? <laughs> no, I need to copyright that. You do. <laughs> you do. And then as we always say, put it on a t-shirt. That's, so. right. Put it on. That's right. Okay, so... Drew, let's talk about generosity stories having to do with money. So the seven categories you highlight in the book, uh, seven categories of generosity that that you guys work on all the time as part of a family, thoughts, words, money, time, influence, attention, and possessions. Give us some money stories. That that seems like that's the easiest thing for people to hone in on when they think of generosity is, is money. What's that look like to you? Give us a story or two. I wondered that for myself as well, but I started to think, I don't have a lot of money right now. I make not a lot. And I know a lot of my generation might go, oh, I can't give with money. But I, I actually believe, I started to talk to my parents and ask them, so how do I start to get involved financially in this? And it really all came to the fact that if I start giving now, I probably have a good chance of doing it later because of the habit. And so I, I have a couple nonprofits that I uh, really like. Uh, there's a wheelchair one that is given to 
uh, different people that have a special need. And um, there's also a Bible translation, one that I give to, and I translate a certain amount of verses each month. And then to my local church as well, small amounts now, the habit will continue. And later in life, I will not have to make the decision because I made it in my teenage years. And that's really what I challenge parents to start to implement that habit in their family. Their ki- most your kids will, won't have to make that decision when they're 30, 40, 50, 60. Maybe the, the zeros will go up, and I hope they will. But starting that habit as a kid is truly powerful. Mm, those are some really great words because I know that Jim and I, we've often, when we've mentored a couple and they're dealing with a debt situation, they have this mentality that they can't afford to do it. And, and of course, we, we redirect that biblically. But at the same time, if it had been a, um, a practice for them from a younger age, that wouldn't even be part of their mentality, don't you think, Jim? Yeah, I think so. Brad, how often do you have a chance to talk with adults who are so strapped with debt that they are unable to be generous because they've spent so much money on themselves? Well, it's a pretty sensitive topic, and it's not something that people often lead with, especially if you're in the back of a church and you just got done talking about generosity. But we, you know, our friend Dave Ramsey has a lot of data on this and does a phenomenal job in helping people get free from indebtedness with his plan so that they can live more generously. But yet people who I have talked to who feel like I don't have anything to give, I always say, you know, you could give the benefit of the doubt to someone. Oh, that's not fair, you know, whatever. Well, you could give some of your time. And that's what we like about these seven areas that if you make the decision that you want to live generously, believing that someday your economic situation will improve, you become less in debt and things get better for you, you'll be able to increase giving and money. But you know what's interesting? When you start to aim your heart and your view off of you and onto other people, you spend less on yourself. And that's really a novel idea, isn't it? So the more I'm generous with my words to someone else, the more I share possessions that I have with someone else, the less of a grip money and possessions have on our life because we're using an open hand. So I think for me, our hope is that as people experience the joy of living generously, they don't want to let that go back. I've never met anybody that said, Gosh, uh, you know, the last few years I gave too much. The joy level was just awful. It didn't work. I, my relationships got worse. My, my world kind of crashed and burned, so I'm never going to give again. Yeah. Never hear that. I always yeah, hear that's right. uh, generous people get more generous. Oh, those are good words. Absolutely. Generous people get more generous. So we're talking today with Drew and Brad Formsma. They've written this book, Everyday Generosity, Becoming a Generous Family in a Selfie World. Check it out online, everydaygenerosity.com, everydaygenerosity.com. You know, the I Work For Him audience, Brad and Drew, these people are listening and going, okay, but how does this apply to my work? And I, and I want to talk about how you can be generous with your influence, but all of these ways of being generous, this can apply not only in our private life outside of the office, this can really work inside the office too, can it? Absolutely. In fact, this is where we end up, Jim, at leading companies, often companies that have a culture where it's servant or others focused. They want someone else to come in 
and reinforce some things that were already happening there. I don't know anybody who doesn't like to be refreshed with ideas and stories and even scripture if that works in the workplace. And I always like to say, when we're at a company, I say, you know, you can be generous by not hitting send on that email. And they all start uh-huh. chuckling. I didn't even say what was in the email, but then I right. go on to, to mention, look, how many of us have drafted this beautiful, snarky email? I'm just going to get that person. I'm going to let them have it. I'm going to copy a few people on it just to make sure the world knows I was right. And I'm going to, you know, this is going to be just so good. And I always say, just be generous and don't hit send. Give it a day. And if a day later you still think you should send it, probably a good indication you should. But you know what? How many times after a day cooler heads prevail and we realize, huh? And because that's a way of being generous with our words by not sharing them, holding our tongue, holding our thoughts. And it just begins to affect the workplace. Time and time again, that whole gift of, you know, being generous with your attention at work. I I bump into people who are leading teams and they say, there's nothing better than when our CEO or people that I'm managing come to me and we have a fully engaged conversation and we've made the decision to put the phones outside of the conference table or outside of the meeting space to just be present. How powerful that is. Simple stuff. You'd think, oh, this is so obvious. How do you even need to talk about this? And yet it's very, very significant to fostering a better, healthier work culture. I have to believe that our listeners here on I Work For Him have just kind of perked up their ears a little bit and thought about how they in their workplace can use generosity in a whole new way. So talk about the um, area of influence. How can I, how can our listeners, how can Jim, how can we be generous with our influence? How do we put that into action? Well, Martha, you know, I think we all have spheres of influence. And sometimes, again, what do you think about when you think about influence? Think, oh, that's someone who leads the company or that's the mayor in the city. They have influence. We all have influence starting at our home and it grows out from there. And I I love to say I wouldn't be where I am today without God's grace and other people being generous with their influence. Three of the most significant relationships I have are people who felt led to introduce me to someone for a greater purpose. They shared a friendship. They were generous with their influence. Say, you should talk to so-and-so. And that is mushroomed out into, I can't even, I can't even begin to measure it. Just right. yesterday, I, I introduced two people that I just knew in my heart needed to know each other. And the sparks are already flying. And it's so fun. There's a joy that comes from that. You think, oh, everybody knows each other. We're only a couple of degrees of separation. But no, it's so good to share our influence with our friends and our relationships. Many people know this on the professional side, but in the faith-oriented work that we do, you know, I've never spoken at a church where we actually cold-called, if you will, the pastor and said, this is how we help reinforce the local vision at your church and help foster more generosity. It always comes through them recognizing a church that we've been at or one of our other pastor friends checking up the phone and saying, hey, I had those guys in and they brought a great generational generosity message to our, our, our church family. 
So I would just encourage people, look around, who do you know, and don't do it just to do it. Do it because you see that there could be a good match, and ask the Spirit of God to guide you in how to be generous with your influence. Yeah. Drew, I said before the break that I was going to come to you. I would love for you to share, as a 17-year-old high school junior, how do you share, how do you use how are you generous with your influence in, in high school? Well, in high school, I, 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 I had that same question. How can I be generous in my, in my daily uh, walk as I walk in these halls of high school? And how tough of a time this can be for so many people. How can I make this a better experience for someone else? And so that really happened for me as I was in one class one day and there was this kid next to me. And I got that nudge that, this was going to be my friend. I was going to make sure that this kid was going to have a good experience. And he had uh, super thick glasses and he was a shorter, um, shorter kid. And I, I knew that this was my, this was my friend. And so I just started to hang out with him, sit with him at lunch, uh, help him with his homework and a friendship started to happen. And I would see him in the hallways and give him a high five. And then I, the influence part started to come in because my one decision to step into this, this student's life started to influence, it started to really bring um, a huge part into my friend's life. Because one day I was walking down the hallway and I saw from the other direction, um, my, friend extend, my friend extend his hand to uh, that kid I was, that I really stuck out for. And I realized my friends started to realize what I was doing and they were starting to do it because I was doing it. And so I, I, that was a great way just to lead with my influence. I was able, with my small little sphere of influence, I was able to bring the generous life and show them, help them see this need. And now today, this, that, that friend is now in our friend group. And I think because of my one decision, his high school experience is different. And I think in my small little sphere of influence, I was able to help someone get somewhere else that they might have not gotten uh, otherwise. Thanks for sharing that. That's awesome. And and realizing that each one of us can have that kind of use our influence for good. So, Drew, just real quickly, touch on something with possessions. Um, again, you know, you said, well, I don't know, you know, money wise, I don't make a lot of money. What are things that um, you have learned that you can, how you can be generous with your possessions? Well, I, I want to, I want to combine this with also when a giving story goes wrong. So it's a little bit of both <laughs> for the listeners, okay. a little double here. Um, so I, I got the, I got the nudge one day, there was this kid in one of my classes who just uh, was loved sports and, um, I was, I had a signed Jersey that I wanted to give to him and I was going to surprise him. And I got all the way to class and I had it in my backpack. And one of the best ways to qualify, uh, a, a giving story is just ask a question. And so I asked him a simple question. I said, Hey, do you like this certain player who I had my signed Jersey for? And he's like, no, I hate him. I hate him. I'm like, Oh no, I got, I was about to give you this. You don't even like the player. And so uh, that was a time where I was going to give away something that was so valuable to me. Um, but he ended up not even liking the player at all. So there are times that this thing doesn't go always right. It doesn't always uh, go the way you think it should go. But I did my part in that going, I released it as if it was given. 
And yeah. I think that's so important as a lot of people I hear, even uh, older people talk about how they're so, they hold tight su- such possessions and everything is so close. They can never give anything away. And that's exactly right. Fin- yeah. Maybe it's not financially, but some people are just stuck on a certain art piece or certain something in the, in the car. And it's good to let that go sometimes. It is. And thank you know, it's a good point though to qualify it because you certainly something that is um you really want the joy of having someone enjoy it, you certainly don't want them to be like, Oh, where can I raffle this off? This has you know, I don't want anything mm-hmm. to do with this. So um exactly. that's it good and bad came out of that. So thanks for sharing that. So let's let's just talk about who we're talking to today. We're talking with Drew and Brad Formsma. They've written this book, Everyday Generosity, Becoming a Generous Family in a Selfie World. Why would you want to become a generous family, Brad Formsma? <laughs> well, I think there's no other way to live. I think the generous life is uh, the best life. And what Drew was just talking about, I thought of that passage in 1 Timothy 6 where the writer goes on to say, um, being rich in good deeds and generous and willing to share. And I think the challenge for all of us is, are we willing to share? So well, it's not always to be easy to be generous, Brad. You've had some times in your life that were some tougher times. I mean, it's got to flow, you know, generosity is flowing within you. But when you had cancer, were you still able to, Demonstrate generosity when you're going through a really tough time? Well, I'll never forget the day that I found out that I had this rare form of leukemia. You know, your whole life flashes before your eyes. And when you get those kind of uh, news, and yet, um, for me, I was able to go back to where my hope is in, and that my hope is in Jesus as my Savior. But I also went to our family decision, our pre-decision to live generously. And so we actually had a situation where my son, oldest son, came to us and he mentioned his buddy, uh, his father was very sick and uh, had two months to live. And we decided as a family, well, let's get them a prepaid gift card. And you know what? I'm sure they have some medical expense we don't know about it. Sure enough, um, two months later, this doctor was right. The man passed away. But you see, three weeks after his death, we got a note from his wife. And she said, my husband was pacing back and forth in the living room, asking God to provide money so he could put new tires on my car so I would be safe before he went to heaven. Mm -hmm. And she said your gift card provided those tires. And this is where I realized the power of the creator of the universe working through us and all of our brokenness and all of our situations in life to be a part of answering someone else's prayer. But I always go back to that story and think, had we not made a pre-decision as a family to want to aim at the generous life, I think I would have chickened out because come on, we're, we're all human, and is there going to be enough left? I was thinking, who's going to take care of my young family? But the focus to be able to go outward when the storms of life come and it's not all rainbows and butterflies really, really had a powerful 
uh, impact on not only me, but I think our entire family. Drew, your workplace every day is high school. You're a junior in high school. And I would, because I was a junior in high school one point in time, I would say that generosity, probably not at the top of my thoughts. Most of the time I was thinking about girls. Um, and as I understand, you, uh, you're thinking about golf a lot. Talk to us about it, how are you helping shape the culture of your local high school there in Orange County, California, to demonstrate generosity even within your class? I mean, how many students are in your class? Uh, we have about, yeah, 1,400, uh, but 400 in my class. Okay, four, 400 kids. How are you shaping your junior class to be known for generosity? Really quick. Well, I'm running for class president, so we'll see how that works. But I'll be bringing some generosity stories for sure. But I'll be doing a chapel as well. And um, a lot of my friends have just embraced this whole thing. And I, I even had a friend tell me his giving story uh, today. And I was just like, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. And I, I don't want to be someone that talks about something a lot and then doesn't do it. So I, I'm really on the, I just want to do it, show 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 my class what it's all about, and then they kind of go, oh, that's that generosity thing you're talking about. And then they start to pick up on what's mm-hmm. happening. But I do, I, I still, I'm like, I, I'm probably a lot like you. I'm, I'm trying to find a girlfriend too, right? <laughs> you'll, be re- you'll be generous with your time in that area, right? If the yes. opportunity were there. <laughs> that's an easy one. <laughs> I'm not trying to find a girl for the record. I'm not trying to find a girlfriend anymore. I've got one. I've been married to her for a long time. Okay. No, you want to get that out. You're taken. taken. That's right. I am taken. <laughs> Drew and Brad Foreman. So thanks for sharing your book, Everyday Generosity Today, with the I Work For Him audience. Thanks. It, it's great stories. There's so much more we could talk about, but thank you for investing your time in our audience today. You're welcome. Thank you, guys. Yes, this is a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. We could do this again. Maybe we'll run into each other on location somewhere across the country this year somewhere. Drew and Brad Formsma, thank you so much. All right, check them out online, everydaygenerosity.com, everydaygenerosity.com. If you want your life to be reflecting what Jesus demonstrated, it involves everyday generosity. Check them out online, everydaygenerosity.com. You've been listening to I Work Frame with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him. 